With Sveta Dishmaya, let's continue with our lessons and understanding what we're saying when we're in tefillah, when we're doing Amidah, when we're doing the Shmola Esrei, um, standing in front of the King of Kings. So now let's continue in our Amidah when we're saying, and we're diving at the section of uh, rebuilding Jerusalem. And what we're saying is, we say, and to Jerusalem, your city, may you return in mercy and dwell within it as you have spoken. And may you rebuild it soon in our days as an everlasting structure and the throne of David, my, may you speedily establish within it. You are the source of all blessing, my master, builder of Jerusalem. So up to this point, we have described the special relationship between God and Israel through prayer. We speak to Hashem through prayer and Hashem speaks through, to us through Torah. We bond with Hashem as a child connects with his loving parent. We respect and revere God as his majesty, the king. But there's, there's yet another significant way to closely relate to Hashem as a bride to her groom. The love that Hashem has for the Jewish people is described as a love for a bride under the chuppah. So standing in front of Mount Sinai was much more than God giving his Torah to his people. It was nothing less than the spiritual marriage between God and the Jewish people. And this is the most powerful, I mean, this is a powerful story highlighted in Agadic literature featuring the Jewish nation as the bride and Hashem as the groom. At Mount Sinai, the groom, the Shekhinah, went out to meet his people just as a groom goes forth to greet his bride. The Torah itself was akin to the marriage contract between God and Israel. The ministering angels gathered to listen like people coming together to witness the rejoicing of the groom and bride. So the mountain shaking, the thunder and lightning, and the blast of the shofar were awe-inspiring. And this was truly a magnificent, a magnificent event that began the marriage of Hashem to Israel. And while the act of marriage is referred to as Kedushin, sanctification, surprisingly, Mount Sinai is not a holy place. In fact, as important as Mount Sinai is in our history, no archaeologist, nor, um, archaeologist has identified its exact location. And this is because the experience at Mount Sinai was not limited to this one-time event or location. In our minds and hearts, it's eternal. The Ramban observes that the Sinai experience was perpetuated through the encounters of Moshe and Hashem in the Mishkan. And note that we refer to the tabernacle as the Mishkan, a place of the Shekinah, not a Mikdash, because its temporary location did not retain any sanctity. Jerusalem, however, is known as a holy city since its very earth is endowed with holiness and the holy temple possessed an even higher degree of holiness. This Mishkan, Mishkan uh, was the temporary home of God, the groom and the children of Israel, his bride. Compared to the temple in Jerusalem, their dwelling was most modest. Their hope and vision were to be together in the glorious temple in Jerusalem, a vision that came to life in the first and second holy temples. And tragically, the bride was unfaithful to her groom and did not keep her Torah vows. Hashem allowed the temple, their home, to be destroyed and sent his bride into exile. On Tisha B'Av, we mourn the destruction of the holy temples in Jerusalem and our mourning has never ended. But even more than that tragic loss, we mourn the collapse of our relationship with our groom who has always loved us. We long to be in God's presence in Jerusalem. After the temples were destroyed, Jerusalem has always been in our hearts. At the Passover Seder and in many communities at the conclusion of Yom Kippur, we cry out, next year in Jerusalem. And we hope and pray for a reconciliation for the day when God will return to Jerusalem and rebuild our home, the Holy Temple. And then when we say, and to Jerusalem, your city, may you return in mercy, the Abu Draham observes that the core of this blessing is derived from a verse in Zaharia, 
where it's so said God, I have returned to Zion and I will dwell in Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be called the city of truth and the mountain of my master of hosts, the holy mountain. In the opening words of this verse, God declares that he will return to Jerusalem, to Zion, and he will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. We long for his reappearance. We have waited too long to experience his presence. We pray for him to return to Jerusalem in mercy. Yet the prophet foresees that God will return on his own at the right time. So why is God delaying his arrival? And so then we say, and dwell within it as you have spoken. So the reunion of Hashem and his people in Jerusalem heralds a revival of prophecy and holiness. The culmination of this coming together of God and his people will be the fulfillment of our national destiny. And then we say, and may you rebuild it soon in our days as an everlasting structure. So although the generally accepted interpretation of this blessing refers to Hashem's eventual rebuilding of Jerusalem, as his very theme implies, there are some who understand it as referring to specifically to the rebuilding of the Holy Temple. And Rashi asserts that the third temple will descend in its entirety from Shemaim. And this is the highest level of holiness. And this temple will endure forever. It will be an eternal edifice. It's our fervent wish and desire to live in this magnificent era and participate in the spiritual revival of our people. And then when we say in the throne of David, may you speedily establish within it, our request that God reestablish the throne of David is seemingly out of place in this blessing. Rather, it should be included in the very next blessing, which focuses on the theme of the Davidic dynasty. We are compelled to say that there is a connection between the restoration of King David's monarchy and the rebuilding of Jerusalem. The rebuilding of Jerusalem will never be complete in whole unless David's dynasty is reestablished. In fact, the Rambam knows that there is no complete complete consolidation until the house of David is restored. And we see in King David's Psalms that God swore to David that his kingdom would be restored, his descendants would forever sit on his throne, and the fulfillment of this promise will be eternal Jerusalem. One major question remains to challenge our discussion is that this blessing is first and foremost about Jerusalem. The opening words feature the return to Jerusalem and the closing of the blessing draws attention to God's rebuilding of Jerusalem. If the reunion of God and Israel is destined to be in the temple, why is the term temple omitted from the blessing? So the solution to this query is that the sequence of praises in this blessing describes only the preliminary stages before the rebuilding of the temple. We first appeal to Hashem to return to Jerusalem and dwell in its midst. We then ask Hashem to rebuild Jerusalem, priming it to be the royal city to establish an everlasting throne of David Amalek. After all these events take place, Jerusalem will be restored as the royal city for the Davidic dynasty. Baruch Adonai Leolama, Amen ve Amen.